Welcome to For the Love of Brantford, a podcast about the evolving story of our community. This podcast is for everyone who holds a place in their heart for our beautiful city. I'm Nathan Etherington, the Program and Community Coordinator for the Brant Historical Society. I'll be sharing some information from the Brant Historical Society archives and other sources to share some history that you may not have learned in school. And I'm Andy Samwell, president of the Eagle Place Community Association, and I'm passionate about community. And for me, you'll hear about what's happening in our community now. And I'm Zila Ozels from the Brantford Public Library. I'll be speaking with experts to get an idea of where our community is going. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, fill in our feedback form on the podcast website at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB. We hope you join us each episode as we learn from each other and explore Brantford's past, present, and future. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of For the Love of Brantford, where we explore the evolving story of our community. We're excited to bring this podcast to you. It's something we've been working on since the beginning of the year, and I've put a lot of thought and work into. When we first started talking about this, I don't really think we knew where it was going to lead. So how about we start by introducing ourselves? I'll start and introduce myself officially. So I'm Zila. I'm from the Brantford Public Library, and I'm part of the programming department. I don't actually live in Brantford, but I've been working in Brantford for almost five years now, and I've had family in the Brantford area for a while. So I'm familiar with Brantford, but I definitely could learn more about it. And I'm Mandy Samwell. I'm the president of the Eagle Place Community Association and a Brantford girl born and raised. I grew up here and I'm raising my family right here in Eagle Place, and I couldn't imagine doing that anyplace else. I love getting involved in our community and doing what I can to help make this city an amazing place to be. My name is Nathan Etherington, and I work as the program and community coordinator for the Brant Historical Society. And I grew up in Paris, not too far away. Uh, However, when I started working in the museum sector, I then started working at Brantford. And a lot of the stories and the history is shared between the county and the city. And the city's history is really important part of that story. I think it's important to note we're all relatively short-term residents of Brantford. There have been settler families here for generations, but before that, and like before the city of Brantford even became the city of Brantford, or even known as Brant's Ford, it was the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and neutral peoples who lived, worked, and were stewards of the land on which currently the city of Brantford sits. If we look back to Revel in 1919, he describes the first journey down the Grand River by French explorers. In it, they note that in 1625, Father Dalian found 20 villages and the principal one was located close to the Grand River on a part of the present site of the city of Brantford and was called the Village of All Saints by the French. And in Iroquois was spelt K-A-N-D-O-U-C-H-O. So Indigenous peoples have been living here in and around the Brantford area for thousands of years. So Mandy, why did we start this podcast? What should our listeners expect to hear about? When we first started thinking about this podcast, we were actually a little overwhelmed. 
There's so much about Brantford that is really interesting to explore once you start learning more and more about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, even in the in the preparation conversations with Nathan and Mandy, there was so much that I had to ask not being a resident of Brantford and just being like, wait, what? Tell me more about that. <laughs> For me, the history here, it, it's so broad and comprehensive. You can't possibly know it all. So I'm constantly learning new stories about Brantford and it adds to like the fabric that makes up our community. I'm personally interested in sharing that information with with Brantford people because I wonder how many people actually know what's happened in our community and even what's going on right now. Um, yeah, I, I agree, Zeal. I think that it's um, this is a great opportunity to share um, some of the love that we have for this community and all of the rich stories and history of what makes Brantford a great place to to live and just share the stories that have happened and be inspired by this beautiful community. A lot of history repeats itself. And sometimes in the past, we can look and see some things that we did that were very successful and would work amazing today. And other times you see how things didn't work out so well. And that kind of informs you how to, as a community, how to react and respond to these issues and challenges. And I think uh, one thing I found interesting while we were talking about preparing this podcast was just all of the different communities that have made up Brantford over the years and then individuals that, you know, we talk about a lot, you know, as significant people in our community, but it's also about everyone like a whole like the whole group of Brantford people who live here you know yeah it's not just like a single issue right it's it's a whole bunch of things that make up a community Mandy do you remember when you actually first approached me about doing another podcast together um why you wanted to do something about our community I think the reason that I wanted to do another podcast about the community was to really capture all of the wonderful things about this community and all of the great people and just to have everybody really know how wonderful Brantford is and how proud we should be of of our city and the people in it and the difference that people are making in the community. I was gonna say Brantford always has been like seen as this hub of innovation in the past, right? We were known as this manufacturing superpower that could do anything. And part of me sees like in the community and how it responds to things, that innovation is still kind of here. It's just sitting there in the background, uh, waiting to be tapped into and utilized. And Brantford is able to do some pretty amazing things uh, because the community feels passionate about it. Yeah, that's something that when I started working here, I almost noticed right away is just kind of like the potential that's waiting here that everyone is so eager to work towards a better, a better future, right? Like they're just so excited to improve their own lives and improve the lives of their neighbors. Um, And I just really saw that. Okay, so we should also mention that each of us is responsible for a different segment of the podcast. So I'm going to be bringing you the past through a whole bunch of historical research that I'm conducting. I hope that you will learn some of the past Brantford approaches to some of these topics that we're going to be discussing. So I'll be talking about the present 
all of the wonderful things that are going on in our community right now and the stories from our community members. Uh, And I will be taking on the future and kind of exploring potential futures of Brantford. And so in each episode, we will focus on one topic and explore elements of it in Brantford's past, present, and future. Some of the topics we'll explore include Market Square, development and housing in Brantford, and flooding of the Grand River. If you have topic ideas, we'd love to hear from you. For our first episode, we thought it would be fitting to explore what makes Brantford unique. We'll talk about some innovative events and people from Brantford, and what makes our community stand out. I'll start with Florine and Dr. James Hillier. And then you'll hear from me speaking to community members about what they like about Brantford. And finally, I speak with Community Living Brant and Belonging Brant about their vision for the future of the Brantford community. We all know about Alexander Graham Bell's invention of the telephone. Let's talk about some of the lesser known Brantford firsts. So how did adding fluorine to Brantford's water supply all start? Well, on June 18th, 1945, there was a small article in the Brantford Expositor that appeared about numerous municipalities in the United States adding fluorine to their water to combat tooth decay. The article ends with, quote, as a result, it is hoped the teeth and consequently the health of rising generations of Brantfordites, not Brantfordians, will be considerably improved. It also mentions that it was sanctioned by all the proper authorities, which would have included Dr. Hutton of the health unit, who reported fluorine was first added to the water on June 20th of that year. So now that fluorine is being added, what do the locals think about it? Well, the papers appear to be mostly silent until the following year in 1946, when citizens start complaining about the taste of the water and it becomes a bit of a hot topic politically. So Alderman William Valentine said, quote, the water was all right before they started monkeying around with it a short time ago, end quote. And one woman questioned in the Brantford Expositor whether the Public Utilities Commission should be charging for this kind of water. And Mayor Matthews then asked for a report about it. So the waterworks staff came back and they said that algae blooms on the river were no worse than they were in past years. They normally put 24 pounds of activated carbon. And when this happened, they increased it to 48 pounds per day and then to 60. And it still didn't solve the problem. So the pollution had been caused uh, by an algae bloom. Uh, from industries upriver, similar to ones that happen in the Great Lakes today. In the end of it, Alderman Valentine wasn't right. It wasn't as, as a result of the fluorine being added to the water. So what was the end result? Well, the reports were reported in the Canadian Journal of Public Health in March of 1951. They conducted two surveys uh, through dental clinics that were at the schools in 1945 and 1944, And that was like their control group. And they found an average of 7.73 disease teeth per children. And uh, the children seven to nine had the worst rates. So 94.8% of children had disease teeth. And then after they added the fluoride water to the water, they continued to monitor these students. And the average disease teeth per student decreased to 5.32. 
and the number of students with diseased teeth overall uh, decreased to 84.3%. So overall, they reported 31% reduction in the diseased teeth with the greatest effect on the younger children. The percentage of children having perfect teeth also increased from 5.18% to 15.63%. So there was a marked improvement to kids' dental health. And this total cost was only five to $6,000 a year or 15 cents per resident. So it's kind of proof that the science works behind it. So I think one thing we all know is about like Alexander Graham Bell, but there were other inventors just like Bell. Can you tell us about another one? Yeah. So another great scientist was Dr. James Hillier, and he attended BCI and was born on August 22nd, 1915 at 34 Hill Avenue in Brantford. And this house is designated heritage building for this reason. The house also has a large plaque commemorating Dr. Hillier. Uh, Hillier told this story to the expositor that his father had given him a telescope when he was 11 years old. And what he really wanted was a microscope. So he took the telescope apart and used the eyepiece in order to expect tiny objects like a microscope. So he then went on to the University of Toronto and became a master's in uh, student in physics in 1938. He would work with Albert Priebus, who was from Edmonton, uh, both of them as master's students on this invention. So what did the two work together to invent and how did it advance science? Well, on Tuesday, April 18th, 1938, the expositor reported that these two students had, quote, developed an electron microscope, which magnifies a grain of sand to the size of a 10-story building and penetrates the barrier that has baffled man since the beginning of time, end quote. You can't make this stuff up. This is what it actually says in the expositor. In a brochure produced by the Ontario Science Centre, for the 50th anniversary, they note that attempts in Europe have been underway for a decade. And so it makes it kind of wild that these two men started this on the Christmas holidays in 1937, 1938, meaning they had developed their entire apparatus in just four months. And he was only 22 years old. And a few years later, when he turns 29, he's also able to isolate the effects of serum on the influenza virus for the first time. So they can actually have the virus under the microscope and see how it reacts to a stimulant. And then after inventing the electron microscope and changing the approach of science, what does he do? Well, he gets a job with RCA or the Radio Corporation of America. And he works in their research laboratories and he starts to develop the first commercial model for the electron microscope. And this sold for $6,500 US, which is about $100,000 today, or $130,000 Canadian. He held more than 40 patents for his products that he made for the company over the years. He eventually becomes vice president of the company and continued to be a big Brantford supporter. And he supported the establishment of the Telecommunications Museum. And in 1981, he donated one of the first electron microscopes to the museum, and it's on display in our gift shop at 57 Charlotte Street. We also have a manual for it. So some year, if I want to get it up and operational, it might be a challenge for me. In 1996, he founded the James Hillier Foundation, which gives science scholarships to Brant County residents. 
The following year, he was named an honorary officer of the Order of Canada, and he passed away at the age of 91 on January 15, 2007. And that's the story of James Hillier. I recently had the opportunity to chat with some amazing community members about what makes Brantford unique, and I can't wait for you to hear what they had to say. For the folks listening at home, Paul, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Great. Thanks, Mandy. Um, so yeah, my name is Paul McDougall. Um, I'm originally from Toronto and came to Brantford via Hamilton. Um, my wife and I are both uh, professional musicians, and uh, I'm a music educator as well. Uh, we moved to Brantford five years ago, uh, sort of five and a half years ago now. And um, yeah, I love Brantford. Um, and I joined the Neighborhood Association about six months after uh, moving to Brantford. So yeah, East, East Ward all the way. Echo Place too, although I don't live in Echo Place. But, and all the Neighborhood Associations for that matter. I have much love for everyone involved in that program. And yeah. That's me, a little bit of me. All right, thanks so much. And yeah, all of the neighborhood associations are fantastic, but for sure you guys are doing a lot of great things over in East Ward Echo Place. And welcome, Tammy. Could you share a little bit about yourself with us? Yeah, hi, Mandy. So my name is Tammy McIntyre. Um, I'm originally from London, Ontario. My family moved to Brantford about 47 years ago. My father got a job at Massey Ferguson, which was a big industry industry here in Brantford back then. Um, I'm fairly new to the Eagle Place Association, although I've been admiring the amazing things that they've been doing over the years. Um, so yeah, I feel it's a privilege to be part of it and love everything great that's that they have going on. That's awesome. And we are super excited to have you aboard for sure. Thank you. Um, so something that struck me to be unique about Brantford is the way that it's still, even though it's a city, it's got a very small town vibe, how everybody knows everybody and everybody's so friendly. Um, so that's kind of what I really, really love about the city and how that's, it's just very unique to the city. I didn't find that in other cities. So um, what do you guys think is unique about Brantford? I totally agree with you. That's one of my thoughts on Brantford as well, Mandy. Um, and one of the things I'm finding now that, and I love that it's becoming more of a diverse city, but we're still maintaining the small town, like welcoming people and, you know, knowing your neighbors and just all the good stuff about a smaller town, even though we are growing as a larger town. And I'm loving seeing the diversity in Brantford. Yeah, that's so true. It's definitely changing, but for the better, right? So yeah, it's very exciting to, to see that. What about yourself, Paul? Yeah, so I guess what drew us to, my wife and I, to Brantford originally was uh, knowing a few musicians in town and having performed here over the years. And then once we started to warm up to the idea of living here, it was truthfully the gardens. Oh my goodness, really beautiful gardens. And then when we started looking at houses, I mean, the neighborhood feel is really great. And it seemed to have a feel in every neighborhood that we were looking in. And, um, and then obviously now living here, it's the people because you, I didn't really know too many people, maybe a handful. And since then, you know, I have lots of friends and, and colleagues and, you know, people that uh, I really admire and respect. 
And so, yeah, really great things happening here. Um, yes, diversity is huge. Um, I love the downtown is starting to really uh, find itself and, or maybe re find itself. And, um, and yeah, I agree. Like I actually, we, we moved here because it had a, a bigger city feel. Um, but yes, now, now that we've lived here for five and a half years, it does have a very, there's a quaintness about it. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way, just, I all know all my neighbors um, and we look out for each other and yeah, it's really great. Yeah, that's true. Everybody seems to know everybody and people are always, you know, saying hi to each other. Like there's always that um, if you're going down the street, somebody's going to say hi to you, that kind of thing. And I know that that happens other places as well, but I just found that that happens. It happens here, I think more. And so I really, I really like that about the city. Tammy, what would you say that you love most about Brantford? We have an amazing history. Brantford has a lot of history. Like a lot of important people have come from Brantford, like Alexander Graham Bell, Joseph Brand, Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> you know? I think the thing I love the best is, is the support that the residents show to other residents. And we celebrate, we celebrate the greatness of Brantford and the wonderful people that have come from here and the wonderful people that live here. That's yeah. so true, for sure. Uh, what about yourself, Paul? What do you love about Brantford? Yeah, well, to speak to Tammy's point, there is a, a real great spirit here. Um, and I would be more specific in, in so much as my own experience is that I love um, the volunteerism here. Um, I've never really experienced that. Mind you, uh, it's kind of a new thing for me within the last five years of my life. So, um, but yeah, it's, it really seems to be people pushing people along, like supporting them, uh, you know, uh, waiting for them to, you know, just, just everybody involved and in, in everybody else, you know, slightly vague, but yes, that a little bit like that. <laughs> I get what you're saying. And it's really this, we all just kind of take care of each other and work together and do what we can, right? To make sure everybody's welcome and everybody's taken care of and ready to participate when they're able. If there was anything else that you wanted to share about what you thought about Brantford or a story that you wanted to share, is there anything else you'd like to add? I just like to add that no matter where I go in this world, when I come home, Brantford, it just feels like home. Yeah, it's more than a place, it's a feeling and, and it's home. I love that, that's so true. What about yourself, Paul? Is there anything else you wanted to add? Well, no, I would add to that. Um, Brantford certainly feels like home. And in my uh, life experiences, I've been to many small town Canada places and, um, and, and big cities obviously, but, uh, but Brantford, there's a uniqueness here and I think what is most attractive to me is that it's a bright future, that it's, uh, it has a beautiful past um, and a sad past as well. But the future is um, a beautiful thing, that it's, that it's, we're on the way. To explore one of the possible futures of Brantford, I spoke with Risha and Taylor about assets-based community development and how individuals and organizations are working to improve their communities. 
Could you please introduce yourselves? Sure. Um, so I'm Risha Burke, and I am one of the directors of Community Development and Supports with Community Living Brands. Community Living Brands, it's an agency that serves Brantford and Brown County. Our goal is to help the folks that we support, which are adults with developmental disabilities, to have a great life. And uh, we, we try and do that with a real individualized focus. We also are the earlier center. I should always say that. Make sure I, I plug. We're one of the, the three partners with the city that provide that. Um, so meeting the developmental needs of, of folks in community. And, and one of the ways that we do our work, sort of a, a, a thread that winds through, is the use of assets-based community development. And that's something that we've been really committed to over the last number of years. And then how that has led us to our involvement with Belonging Brand. Um, so my name is Taylor Burzens. My pronouns are she and her. I guess first and foremost, I'm a human of Brantford. I've lived here for most of my life. And I like to say that I have over a decade of community organizing experience, particularly in this community. I'm currently coordinating the project Risha mentioned called Belonging Brant. This is a project that's funded by the Ontario Trillium Foundation. And like Risha mentioned, the grant was won by Community Living. Yeah, and folks were really eager to kind of explore and examine the crisis of loneliness in our community and to figure out how asset-based community development might be a tool to tend to that. For me, one of the ways that we're doing that is to organize and help uh, support citizen-led social groups. Uh, so we've got a bunch up and running right now. Uh, we have a pen pal group. We have a group about raising butterflies. We have a monthly drum circle, a grief circle, and a Spanish language group, and a few more that will be coming, coming to the world soon. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, you both mentioned community a lot throughout your introductions. Could you share what your vision for community in the city of Brantford is? From Community Living Brant's perspective and my own personal perspective, we're really hoping for Brantford to be a place where everyone knows and has an opportunity to share their gift. So knowing what your gift is, knowing what your passions and your interests are, and an opportunity to, to give that gift. So that's, that's, I think, a really important piece and a really critical element as well of assets-based community development. Um, moving from a place of inclusion, um, which is something that I think we're all, we all should be doing, is providing inclusive community, but moving to a place of belonging, um, from inclusion to belonging is, it's, I think, a significant step, and that's a real, a goal for us, um, for, for this particular community, and, and to figure out what Community Living Brands' role is to helping to create that, that kind of space for, for people to be citizens, full citizenship, where there's lots of reciprocity back and forth, the give and the take in community. I feel like I just want to echo so much of what you just said, Risha. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, similarly, my vision and I think Belonging Brands' vision for community is really, uh, like you said, moving beyond inclusion and towards a just future that really enfranchises belonging. Um, I think in this work, that really means cultivating some more grassroots connection and, and what I like to call community care and what has been called community care um, and also mutual aid. Yeah, for me too, it's also about creating better access to things like joy and play and creating more enriching and meaningful social connections. I feel like this really requires us to get to know each other. It requires us to get to know the assets in our community, the important places in our neighborhoods. Um, and it also requires us to know our neighbors, to rally together and to really connect um, and lean into the power of collaboration. What's one thing you see changing for people connected to community? 
we were part of a project called um, Humans of Branch, and we asked people what they were learning through the pandemic. And I was really, I went back actually in preparing for today's conversation to look at some of the, the things that people shared with us. And it was um, about vulnerability. So I, I'm, I'm thinking lots about, about how people realized that they needed people. There was, yeah, just a great quote that I realized I needed people more than I thought I did. I didn't actually think I liked people, but it turns out I need them. And I think for people across community, maybe, you know, they've been disconnected from community and seeing the need for that. But also I love the play that I've seen, um, the playfulness around um, and the hospitality shown to neighbors um, and the creativity. I think it's been really amazing and inspirational to see, yeah, the creative play from, from porches and, um, you know, seeing right now some cool stuff happening in Eagle Place around chalking your walk um, and just reaching out with outreach kits, uh, all sorts of like just like kindness boxes and little free libraries, just all the amazing, playful, fun things that people have been up to. So I think People, again, I think people are exploring their gifts and their passions and their interests. And I love how people have been informally connecting together. That's a super positive change that I think I've seen. Anything for me, it's super idyllic. Um, but once people uh, begin to get connected to community, there's this kind of really big ooey gooeyness that comes with a sense of belonging, like those good, good vibes from being known and for that being okay for you to arrive exactly as you are and um, for that to be not just tolerated or included but to be like truly accepted and celebrated um, and I think in that in being known and and being a part of community um, it opens so much so many doors for your own personal agency you feel better about asking for help or asking for care or you know needing social intimacy and connection with other folks and and it's okay to ask for that or to recognize your need in that. It cultivates more access to a more agentic life and it gives you more space for self-care because you can ask and rely on more people for the things you need. It gives you space to choose as well. I think that belonging to community also offers choice. Yeah, there's so much value that comes from being known. And I think that, that it also offers like a genuine, not transactional experience and I, that's the kind of change I see moving from something that's like transactional and, and rooted in hierarchy to a space that is more, um, I, I think in plants, so rhizomatic, I think of little rhizome bulbs all the time or horizontal um, exchanges of power. And yeah, that's what I would, I would see as the change that comes from connecting to community. If you want to connect with Community Living Brant or Belonging Brant, check them out on social media. You can also reach Belonging Brant at belongingbrant at gmail.com and check out their podcast, Belonging Brant. After hearing what each of us learned and shared, we discussed what stuck with us and what made us think. The unique nature of Brantford, right, as a creative center and a creative hub, right, where you've always been innovators and we're able to do amazing things here for some reason on with very little money and resources right like uh uh i don't know i think that's part part of something that makes up the community and when there are challenges in the community the community really knows how to respond and come together and they like they all contribute and it's that like creative mentality of 
oh, we have this problem or this challenge in our community. And so this is, the community needs to respond to it. And a lot of that work is borne by community organizations like Community Living Brand and as well by the neighborhood associations. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think I said this in our intro, but I really feel like people want to work with each other to make this city and this, their communities uh, improved for everyone. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. Um, just the way that everyone gets involved and helps each other and works together, I think is incredible. The way that we all do that in Brantford. It's kind of interesting to think about because even when Nathan was talking about how there was a large um, Indigenous settlement here, it's like there's something about the river and like this area that's just like attracting people, like and these people who want to help each other, right? Yeah, I had I had Mayor Bailey over to my place recently for supper, and it. And we sat out on the deck and we're eating supper. And he said, my goodness, it's so quiet here. You know, we're so lucky to live here. And that's, that's always the way that I felt. We have like this little gem and, you know, we're, we're a city, we're a thriving city, but at the same time, you know, we're that small town feel. It's very familiar, very homey and, I understand now why a lot of people from the GTA are wanting to move here because it's something that they're looking for, that ideal kind of getaway to live in a place like that. Even in Mandy's interview, it was kind of coming up like, yeah, there's new people coming into the Brantford area, which honestly, I mean, when hasn't there been new people coming here? Even with like this infusion of new people, you know, we're still trying to connect with each other and find ways to make this a good community for everyone yeah and I think some of the like the ways that community living brand was doing that is is like through their programming their programming is really very creative and innovative there's actually a part that from that interview that didn't make it into the full episode but it's going to be in the bonus episode and it's Risha talking about you know she gets a question about like well why is community living brand here when it was not directly related to what they do as part of their services. And it's just like, well, we're part of the community. Like we're here to make it better for everyone, not just, not just who we support. Yeah. I love how they, um, they just get right involved with the community and whether it has anything to do with what they're doing as an organization or not, they want to make the community better. And so they're great to work with and all of the different things that, we've been able to do together like Humans of Brant or Belonging Brant as well and all of the the different programs like they're making a huge difference and and they just get right in there and and you know welcome the community in and work together. I thought it was pretty neat how in their interview they actually mentioned the the chalk the chalk your walk that Eagle Place has been doing. I was like, "Oh, they're paying attention to what we're doing down here as well." So I thought that was kind of fun that they mentioned that in their interview. Yeah, I think it's important for any organization working in a city, but also specifically Brantford, because we're talking about Brantford, but to be aware of what's happening in your community, because how do you become part of a community if you don't know what's actually happening? And if you don't know the people who live there? That's a big piece of it. I think so many people have no idea what's actually going on in our community. So it's great to have an opportunity to make sure that people are hearing about all the good that's going on in 
in Brantford and Brant. In, in other communities, they have a very uh, different way of communicating with the public, right? You, you listen to the news or read it in the local newspaper. In Brantford, you learn what's happening in the community by going and talking to your neighbor, seeing people in and around the community. And that's how you figure out what's going on. There are people who have lived here their entire life and said, oh, I didn't know that we had a museum. And we've been here since 1952. But it, it's, it's like one of those hidden gems and Brantford is absolutely full of them and you just have to get out and discover them. I think really for neighborhood associations too, it's the same thing, right? Like how people don't know the museum exists. People live in a neighborhood and have no idea that they have a neighborhood association. I think another thing that like you're talking about, you know, participating in what you already know exists, like the neighborhood association or going to check out the museum. But another thing that really struck out for me throughout all of our parts was if there isn't something that someone wants to be part of, they go out and do it. So like in the examples from like Nathan's part, you have these innovative people like trying to do new things that haven't been there before. Uh, like our, our motto for the city of Brantford is Industria at Persevera, which means like industry and like perseverance, right? So we've always had like that get down to it and get the work done kind of thing. Attitude to the city, like it's always been there. And the other thing that I thought was really important in talking about the future ideas that were talked about was uh, James Hillier, right? He did this thing that was supposed to be helping people's dental health. And like, in order to make a whole and complete community, we need organizations like Community Living Brand and Belonging Brand. They do something very similar. And rather than focusing on dental health, it's focusing on people's like mental health and then community associations, right? They focus on, on that as well, like the, the quality of life aspect. And it really makes people into a whole people, right? And we have a community of, pe of people that are well supported by each other. I don't think the basic needs are just food and water and shelter, but it's also that, that connection. The community connection. That's part of the basic needs. So speaking to the improvement of dental health, I found it really interesting that in at one point you were saying that they complained about the taste of the water when I've been so many other places, they must have got it worked out because Brantford's water tastes a lot better than anywhere else. I remember thinking that as a kid, I'm like, yeah, I, I like drinking Brantford water, but I, I wouldn't want to drink water in a lot of other municipalities. So you, you mentioned about Kitchener, uh, living in Kitchener. So Kitchener and Paris, they all got their water from groundwater and Brantford is one of the only municipalities that takes its water from the river. So as a result, right? The river water, I guess, is, I don't know, it's fresher. It doesn't, it doesn't percolate into the bedrock. So in Kitchener-Waterloo, you have really hard water. And in Paris as well, we have some of the hardest water in the province, but, and we also take our uh, well water from, you know, groundwater wells. I had no idea. That's, yeah, that's, that's my earth science, like <laughs> hydrogeology nerdiness coming in there. I wonder if it has something to do with um, <laughs> you grew up here, like drinking that water first. And so now you're just wired to, <laughs> want yeah, to drink like, it, maybe. <laughs> I'm accustomed to like the hard taste of the water, right? Like it doesn't bug me because it's so hard. But uh, <laughs> like 
I don't know. Also, when it came to Brantford, like I didn't really notice like a huge difference in the taste to me. But oh, really? I actually notice it like in every city that I've lived in, and when I go visit people, I notice the difference in the taste of yeah. the water completely. Yeah, like don't drink Hamilton water; it's so bad. What? It's not that bad. <laughs> Just I I grew up in Hamilton. It's really not that bad. <laughs> it tastes like sulfur or something. No, I don't know where you're drinking your water. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's really funny. There's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the springs in the area actually are sulfur springs because of the bedrock, right? So it comes out from the near the bedrock. So in Paris, they had one of these sulfur springs, and uh, the guy that, who built the Arlington piped the water from the sulfur spring to the hotel. And he had a spa there and you could have sulfur baths and it was supposed to be really good for your health. But I don't know what happened to that fad or idea. I think it went away. Well, probably because it doesn't actually smell great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It doesn't smell good, right? You know, it would mix oddly with like, I don't know, the patchouli or whatever they're piping through the vents. (laughs) Like you could maybe delete the fact that I insulted Hamilton's water. No! To like, listen to I, I don't people know. enjoy I hearing that. visiting a friend in Hamilton and I'm like oh my gosh this water tastes so bad like I cannot do this and so I didn't drink water like the rest of the time I was there like no. I mean you're not the only one like <laughs> I know other people say that and I know people used to call Hamilton stinky town uh and I would get so offended by that when I was like off on university and then one day or like one weekend I came home from university and I was like oh my god Hamilton smells so bad. <laughs> You've been away, so you came back and had the experience. Yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 not that bad. I mean, they've also cleaned up a lot. Anyways, this isn't about Hamilton. It's about Brantford. <laughs> well, that was a that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That's it for our first episode of For the Love of Brantford. Thank you to our guests from Community Living Brant and Belonging Brant, Risha Burke and Taylor Burzins. Remember to check out their full interview in our bonus episode. And thank you to Paul and Tammy for sharing your thoughts on living in Brantford. And don't forget to check out your local neighborhood association, Community Living Brant and Belonging Brant, if you're looking for ways to get involved in the community. Thank you for listening to this episode of For the Love of Brantford. You can find all the episodes at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB. This will include show notes where we list references, share images, and provide resources to continue your exploration of Brantford. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question, just fill out a form on our website. This podcast is a partnership with the Eagle Place Community Association, the Brant Historical Society, and the Brantford Public Library. Your hosts are Mandy Samwell, Nathan Etherington, and Zila Ozels. For more information about the podcast, visit brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB.